morning? Yeah. Yeah, I, I want to hear you through those masks, you know. <laughs> we bring greetings to you on behalf of Pastor John and Miss Anita, who were at the marriage event yesterday. But right now, we're probably somewhere up in the air between here and between the the beautiful sunny state of Florida. Praise the Lord. So they're, they're going to have a little southern getaway for for the next two weeks and we pray it's a blessed time for them and a time of refreshing so they're they're doing well and uh just not here because they're heading somewhere else somewhere nice and warm and praise the lord is going to get near 50 this week come on praise him hallelujah and uh we'd be glad to melt the snow in uh my driveway you know that 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 stubborn stuff that gets stuck to the bottom y'all know what i'm talking about (laughs) Hey, um, I have a question. I, I, I thought I was going to have some friends here today. Are my friends from Cape Verde here today? Because uh, I wanted to recognize them if they're here. But I don't see them. But I do know I got, I, I do have a special friend here today. My, my friend, Pastor Ray Ferrara from Victorious Labors. And uh, let's see, is that Providence or Warwick? You're, you're on, the, on the Warwick side, right? All right. And a blessing to have you here. That's a man who, who uh, grew up in the Lord here, uh, grew up in faith here, uh, went out to Bible school, and uh, has been a, a very common face to see around here over the years. So we love you, man. Glad to have you with us. And praise the Lord. Uh, as uh, Chris said, I wanted to go ahead and put my $2 worth. I got more than $0.02, cents, so here we go. Uh, uh, it was such a blessing to see the, uh, as the scripture says, to give honor to whom honor is due and, and to see the outpour of love and uh, honor to, to our dear friend and brother uh, Dennis Sullivan this week was just absolutely wonderful. And so I appreciate, appreciate all of you that came out to support the family and, uh, and, and really to, to, to support the body as, as we were celebrating the life of a true pillar of the church. And uh, praise God. Praise God. Imagine how much fun he's having at this very moment. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. You know what? Sometimes people think that we talk about eternity in heaven just to try to make each other feel better. But I got to tell you, this ain't about making people feel better. This is the reality, the absolute reality of what's happening at this very moment. Are you with me, church? Amen. Praise God. Go ahead. Amen. Whoa, Chris, can you do me a favor? Can you get me one of those cups of water and just leave it over there for me? Thanks, bro. I forgot to do it for myself, but... You know, you get thirsty when you get rolling up here. Praise God. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to go ahead and uh, minister a word to you today. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the title may seem simple, but there ain't nothing simple about this. I want to tell you today in many, many different ways that God is able. Amen. Hallelujah. And the, the best news I can tell you is that he's willing to. Now catch that. Because there have been people in the years that I believe God can do anything. And yeah, you know, they, they, they have faith in the ability of God. But, but when, when it comes down to saying, well, all right, what is he going to do it? Well, you never know what God's going to do. And you get a response like that. But I want you to know that he's not just able, but he's willing to. 
And uh, what, what we're going to see today is uh, several things. First of all, we're going to see that God is able. We're going to see that God's word is able. Because you see, you can't separate God and his word. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate that. You can't separate God from his word because he is the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. John chapter 1 says, verse 1, and then verse 14 says, that word was made flesh. It's calling Jesus the word. Jesus is the living word. So, so it's not just, you know, when, when you see wording like God is able or the word is able, uh, you're not looking at two different statements there. You're, you're looking at really a, a rewording of the same statement because you cannot separate God from his word because if his word was no good, he'd be no good. Just like if your word's no good. Oh, Lord. <laughs> But, but then I want you to see this. I want you to see that you are able because of his ability. And uh, the, the, those are some of the things that we want to be able to see today as we dig into this wonderful subject. And I got to tell you, uh, the, the, the way that I got hooked into this, ah, hallelujah. Well, first of all, I got to tell you, it's it, it just so good to have my pipes back. You, you, you know what, what it means to have your pipes back? Woo! Got my preaching voice back. Come on. I, it's a good thing, especially when, when it's out for a while. And uh, uh, man, I'll tell you, I thank the Lord for his wonderful healing power. Amen. Um, but, but I was looking through scripture and I was just motivated to want to look at every place in the scripture where it talked about God being able or his word being able. And was just motivated to do that. And as I did that, boy, I tell you, there's some amazing, wonderful discoveries of the things that the scripture clearly states that God and his word are able to do. And I just want to go ahead and kind of dig into that and get an overview of that today. You can take any one of those and camp out there. But we're going to go ahead and kind of get the bird's eye view and overview of that. And I believe this will be a great blessing to you. Amen. But, but first of all, I want you to know that God is able to propel you. The word propel means to cause you to move forward or to cause you to move onward. Hallelujah. God's about moving forward. God's about progress. Hallelujah. And uh, uh, what, what a blessing to be able to see that the way that God can propel you forward in life and, and, and the, the number one way he does it is with this wonderful thing he's given to us called our salvation. Amen. You know, you, you can't, those of you who are saved and, and have been serving God for a long time can never get to the point where it's like, yeah, I'm saved. Yeah, I have salvation. You know, as though it, oh, that's just so routine. Yeah, we hear about that all the time. Altar call every Sunday, every Wednesday, blah, 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 blah. No, no, no. This is something that you always got to be thrilled about and excited about. Because let me tell you, if we don't have it, we, we, we going to fry, you know? I mean, if, if we don't have this, we going to bake in the lake. You know what I'm saying? So, and I'm talking about the lake of fire, Lord have mercy. So, so thank God. That we have this salvation. And I want you to see that this is one of the ways that, that, uh, that God propels you into the life he's got for you. It's the way he propels you to go forward into uh, 
uh, it's not just the road to a life with God on this earth where you're just living for God. It's also the road that leads you to your destiny and your purpose in God. Amen. Hebrews 7 verse 25 says, Therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So he is also able. Someone say able. He's able to save to the uttermost. Are you glad about that? God will save you from the guttermost to the uttermost. Some of you were uttermost because you were, you were doing all right. You, 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 were, uh, you, you were a successful sinner. Yeah, you, you, you were a sinner, but, but you had some money in the bank, a nice car in the driveway. Some of you were just guttermost. You know, you did about everything but lie in the gutter, and maybe some of you did that too. But whether you're guttermost or uttermost, he came to save you all. Are you glad about it? Hallelujah. And uh, the, the word uttermost, as we were to examine what that really means, it means completely or utterly. Hallelujah. Meaning that God is able to save us completely or utterly. He propels the total person. He saves you in every possible way you could be saved. Starting with your spirit, obviously here, a reference to, to, to your spirit being saved as it's a reference to those who come to God through him. Sounds familiar? Sounds like the words of Jesus in John fourteen six, where he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Well, we see that, that he, he saves us in our spirit, that our spirit becomes a new creature in Christ. Our spirit is, is infused with the divine nature where, where we're not what we used to be anymore. Like some of the old songs where they sing, the, the things I used to do, I don't do no more. And the places I used to go, I don't go no more. And, and so on and so on. What's it talking about? It's talking about a change, a great change that is taking place. Because you are not who you used to be. You are new creation. So he came to save your spirit. He also came to save your soul. You got to understand, man, this is a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. And we want to see here God's interest in the total package. So we know that God's interested in saving us, those that come to God through him, the saving of our spirit. James 1.21 talks about the saving of the soul. It says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Hallelujah. To save your souls, your soul, uh, uh, just to give a, a, a basic idea of what we're dealing with here, your soul being your, your, your mind, your, your will, your intellect, your emotions, that part of you, and, and seeing this as really akin to Romans chapter 12, verse 2, where it says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yeah. And so we, we see this, that, that he's, he's able to save us to the uttermost. Uh, his word is able to save our souls. He's interested in your body too. Can I tell you something? Jesus is interested in the, the salvation and, and the, the, the purchase of and the coverage of the total person. Matthew 9 verse 28 says this, And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. 
And Jesus said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, yes, Lord. That's the right answer. When God asks you, do, do you think I'm able to, to do something that, that is good and beneficial for you? You say, yes, Lord. Now, if God were to ask you, do you think I'm able to lie? That's when you say, no, Lord. Because you are not a man that you should lie. But when it talks about bestowing a blessing upon you and bringing a blessing to your spirit, soul, or your body, or your finances, you say, yes, Lord, you truly are able. And they agreed with Jesus, and therefore Jesus says, according to your faith, let it be to you. And uh, if you read the, the, <coughs> the later verses, you see that those men were healed. Glory to God. You see, faith in God's ability releases God's ability. Faith in God's ability releases God's ability. Hallelujah. And how many of you have known you've experienced the ability of God when you've been able to get through something that there was no possible way you could have ever gotten through without the ability of God? Woo! Can somebody testify? I know I can think of points in my life where I thought, woo, if I did not have the Lord on my side, and if I did not have God's ability and his grace working through me at that moment in time, I just would not have been able to make it. I would not have been able to get through. But I did get through because I wasn't getting through on my own ability. I was getting through on the ability of the greater one who lives inside of me. Hallelujah. So we see this, we see he's taking care of your spirit, your soul, and your body. How else will the Lord propel you forward with his great salvation? Well, how about this? How, how about in the area of your finances? You say, really? You think God's interested in that? No, I don't think he is. I know he is. Come on and look with me. This is 2 Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 6 through 8. The apostle Paul's writing, he said, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one gives as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Now, now some of the words here, I mean, you, you're, you're talking about words that are really intended to make a point. God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. See, all and every, I mean, you know, there, there's a theme in that verse if you didn't notice. Come on. And, and what it's talking about, it's talking about that God is able to make not just some grace, but all grace abound toward you. Let, let me read that to you out of several different translations. The scripture says that God is able to, uh, and by the way, if, if you download the notes on our website, faithccenter.com, you'll have this in here so you don't have to write fast today. Uh, God is able to give you an overflowing measure of all good gifts. Hallelujah. 
God is able to shower all kinds of blessings upon you. God is able to bless you with ample means. God is able to supply you abundantly with every kind of blessing. God is able to make every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance. I'm going to wave at you this morning. Hallelujah. Now, I got to tell you, that is pretty amazing. And this is what God is able to do. So you see, he's not just propelling you forward in your spiritual life. He's not just propelling you forward in the saving of your soul, the renewing of your mind. You getting your mind straightened out. He's not just propelling you forward in, in, in uh, purchasing health for your body with the stripes that were placed on the back of the Lord Jesus. But he is also, woo. He is also propelling you forward by making all grace abound toward you so that you can have everything you need for anything he might call you to do at a moment's notice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I got to tell you, me and Mrs. Zimberlin are getting more excited about giving than we ever have before. Hallelujah. More excited about just at the drop of a hat. God said, do something. Whoop, let's do it. But you see, you you just go ahead and start where you're at. You you, you start with your your, your Abraham Lincoln and your George Washington first. And then you do that, God will bring you along where, you know, we can work on the Benjamins there. Hey, hey. But I mean, I'm talking about obedience to God right where you're at. And, and you know, some, sometimes you're, you're dealing with, uh, you know, the prompting of the Lord to do something. And sometimes, as the scripture says, you're giving as you purpose in your heart. And you know what? I got to tell you, it's just an amazing thing. Uh, you know, it, it's exciting to be a giver and to allow God to flow through you in that way to minister to other people. I mean, it gets you to the point where you're more excited about being the giver than the receiver. You're doing plenty of receiving. And it's not that you don't like it. But, but the thing is, is that in your heart, you know, the giving part turns you on more than the other. Hallelujah. And so this is God propelling you into the life he's got for you. And he is truly able to do it all. But besides propelling you, God is also able to prepare you. You know, preparation time is never wasted time. And the, the idea of preparation and having a foundation and, and having uh, what you need to, to withdraw from, you know, because uh, if, if you're spending or, or going out to do some spending without having uh, sufficient funds to withdraw from to do that spending, something's going to bounce, you know what I mean? And, and, and here's the thing, uh, it doesn't just bounce when it comes to your bank account. Uh, a lo- lot of us have bounced checks in life before because of a lack of preparation and trying to do something that, that we weren't fully prepared to do. And not a lack of preparation on God's part because God was certainly willing to go ahead and prepare us and, and, and uh, you know, set us up with what we need. But the thing is, is that, uh, you know, there, there's a, a certain aspect of depositing that you need to do because you see if, you, if you're going to go ahead and exercise your your faith in something you, you got to go ahead and deposit the word of God in you 
so that when you go, want to go ahead and exercise your faith in a certain area of your life, you got something to pull on. Because if, uh, if, if the word's not in the account, you try to pull it out and it's not there, you're going to bounce a, 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 a faith check, a spirit check, whatever you want to call it. It's going to bounce because you're trying to do something that is beyond what you've deposited. And so preparation, a big part of that is making sure that you've got deposited in you what you need to have. Amen. Uh, Acts 20, verse 32. Acts 20, verse 32 says this. It says, so now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. Now, if you imagine that the word of his grace is able to build you up, well, you say, well, praise the Lord, then I'll just let God do that. But, but does God just automatically do that? Or is there a responsibility on our part to go ahead and put that word in so it would do what God designed it to do? I mean, God designed vitamin C to help out your body, but if you ain't partaking of it, it ain't going to help your body. Well, God's designed the word to build you up, but if you ain't putting the word in you, you ain't getting the building up benefit. So uh, it's very important to go ahead and put the word inside of you because that word is able to build you up so that you can face what you need to face. I tell you, there's things that we face in life, you know, uh, so many of you very difficult, trying, hard times that if you did not have the, 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 the building up of the word of God inside of you that built you up and prepared you for something, you would be in no position to deal with it. Well, well, well. And then besides that, besides the, this word being able to build you up, it's also able to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. An inheritance. See, you need what's in your inheritance so that you can live the life you need to live. And you know what? There's one aspect in which it's true that, that our inheritance is, is reserved in heaven for us, as uh, Peter mentioned in his epistle. But, but you see, that does not mean that you only have access to the inheritance when you get there. Because the real truth is, is that you've got access to your inheritance even while you're still here on earth. Can I give you scripture? Yeah, how about Philippians 4.19 that says, But my God will supply your need according to his riches in glory. Hey. And other scriptures where it talks about according to the riches of his glory. So, the, 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 and, and then besides that, you've got Ephesians 1.3 that says that he has, which is past tense, blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. So that means you're not just waiting until you get there to get the inheritance, but that there's uh, things that are already in your possession and, and, and things that are in heaven that belong to you that you can pull on even though you're here on earth. Hallelujah. Always oh, somebody listening to me today. So you have an inheritance. And, and 
you got to understand this, and the book of Hebrews gets into this, that uh, uh, it uses the term testament, and then also the word testator. Some of you would love to be testators. You'd love to have a tater taste testing contest every day of your life. And I tell you what, I love taters too, so I know what you're talking about. But, but we're not talking about that. This is a testator. That, 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 that means uh, the, the, the person who's putting the testament into effect. You, know, the, the, you see, Jesus died so that this new testament could go into effect. But, but it, it's, it, you see, because it's only in effect after he were to die. Be, before that, you know, I mean, somebody needs to die for you to get your inheritance. You know what I'm saying? But, but the real truth about what happened with Jesus is that he not only died to be able to leave the inheritance for you, but then he rose from the dead to make sure you got everything that was coming to you. And he ever lives to be seated on the right hand of the Father and to pray for you. Hallelujah. To make intercession for you. I want you to know, you're going through some tough times, Jesus is praying for you. Jesus is praying for you. Like he prayed for Peter, that his faith would fail not. Even though Peter messed up, his faith did not fail because that coward of Calvary became the power-packed man of Pentecost. Are you with me today? Hallelujah. Woo-wee, I feel like preaching this morning. So there's Acts 20, verse 32. Let's check out 2 Timothy 3.15. 2 Timothy 3.15. Paul's talking to his son in the faith, Timothy, and really recognizing some of Timothy's history, that from childhood, talking to Timothy, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. You see, we talked about having salvation. We talked about how God's propelling you forth into the, the, uh, not just the salvation of your spirit, but the salvation of your soul, the salvation of your body, the healing of your body, the salvation of your, uh, uh, even in, in the financial realm as well. That, that there's, uh, uh, that there's ability of God to be able to provide for you everything you need in all of those areas. But here it's using the term to make you wise for salvation. Imagine being wise to what you've got. Not just knowing intellectually, yep, this is what the Bible says I have. You know, one, one person uh, defined it like this, that, that knowledge, the, the, the difference between knowledge and wisdom, and I mean, I'm not saying this is the only definition in the world, but it's a, it's a good one, that the wisdom has to do with the practical application of knowledge. So it's not just knowing something, but it's knowing what to do with it and how to do with it so that having it really means something to you. Otherwise, you can have something that won't mean a whole lot to you if you're not actively involved in knowing what to do to do something good with it. <laughs> you get that? <laughs> that was a fun sentence right there. <laughs> 
So, so we see the idea of making us wise to salvation is very much the fact that he's making us wise to be able to know how to live out our salvation. Or as the scripture uses the term, how to work out our salvation. That's not working for, that's working out. See, if you're working for it, that means you don't have it and you're trying to get it. When you're working it out, that means you already got it inside of you, but you're doing something for, to get it from the inside to the outside. And so God wants to make you wise to salvation, make you wise to be able to go ahead and live this life out the way it ought to be lived. Not just for you to say, yeah, I'm saved. And some people don't hardly know who they are and what they've got or what to do with it. And then some people do know something about who they are and what they've got, but they've got that little nagging something that says, yeah, yeah, you're saved all right, but there's still something wrong with you. You're not as holy as a lady across the aisle with all the highlights, you know? Anybody ever heard the devil say that before? The devil is a liar, let me tell you. Hallelujah. You know, always trying to get you to look at somebody else and think how spiritual they are and what a loser you are. The devil is a liar. I tell you, if he was a Cajun, they'd call him a jumbo liar. Come on. Yeah, that's new revelation for somebody. Yeah. So are you glad today that God given you wisdom? He's making you wise for salvation. Not just the fact that he's giving it to you, but he's giving you the wisdom so that you can live it out and walk it out and experience fully everything that he's got for you in this life on the way to the life that is to come. Hallelujah. So he's propelling you, he's preparing you, and he's performing for you. Woo! Performing. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Imagine that. That he is able to do exceeding abundantly (coughs) above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Now let me ask you this question. Who is in control of how much power is working in you? Well, that would be you. Because if that was up to God, he'd put everybody on full power. Just go, you know, put you all on full volume. But how much power you got working in you is up to you. Now, 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 what, what are the two sources of power that we see in Scripture? We see that the Word of God is the power of God, but we also see the Holy Spirit. You know, we, we see that you'll be, uh, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So the Word and the Spirit are really our sources of power. And how much Word you got working in you, and how much of, uh, you're allowing the Spirit of God to work inside of you, affects how much power is working inside of you. Now, if God's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that's working in you, then the power that was working in you really sets the line that God can exceed. Which means if you got this much power working in you, like down here, then God can exceed it by going here. All right? And he's exceeding. But if you got this much power working in you, God can exceed that by going here. But you give God really what is the starting point that he can exceed. Did you get that? Well, therefore, I want to make sure God got plenty to work with. 
<laughs> I want to make sure that he got plenty of ground to go real high because I want to have high power, high volume power working inside of me. And you can have that working inside of you because it's the word and the spirit. And how much of that you got going on inside of you is not up to God. It is up to you. But I tell you, you allow uh, the, the, the word and the spirit to work in you and to have power working in you, then you are allowing God to have a very high starting point for him to go exceedingly abundantly above and beyond. Amen. Now, let's take a look at Abraham for a minute. We're talking about God's performing things in your life. And God wants to perform. He don't just drop promises on you. No, he's into fulfilling promises. Romans 4, verse 21, talking about Abraham here. And talking about the promise that was made to Abraham. And we know the promise that was made to Abraham was that even though he was old and even though Sarah never had any children, that out of his own body was going to come a child and that out of his seed would, would, uh, would come uh, 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 out, out of his seed, all the nations of the world would be blessed. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, what God had promised, he was also able to perform. So we see this, that Abraham was fully convinced that what God had promised, God was also able to perform. Hallelujah. Are you fully convinced? Are you fully convinced today? Because I got to tell you, I want to convince you. I want to convince you that what God has promised, he's also able to perform. Glory be to God. What did that mean to Abraham exactly? How, uh, how, how steady was that? How much of a conviction was that in his life? Well, you get a little bit of an idea. We're going to look at Hebrews uh, uh, 11. Actually, I think I only gave you one verse, but I want to read three verses there. I want to read 17, 18, and 19. So if y'all can't catch up with me real quick, that's all right. But, but I, I want y'all to hear this. Is it Hebrews 11? Uh, but I want to start with 17 and go through 19. So verse 17 says that by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Verse 18. Of whom it was said... In Isaac, your seed shall be called. Now, what was this test? That was when God said, go ahead and take your son and go up to the mountains of Moriah and offer him as a burnt offering there. Yeah, that's the test though, right? Verse 19. Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which also from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So talk about this, that this man who was fully convinced of God's ability to perform what he had promised, the only way he could take such a major step of faith 
has to follow through on this and, and to be at the point where he did everything but plunge the knife, but had the knife in his hand and the knife in the air till the point where he looked over and saw that God provided himself a ram caught in the thicket that he could use in the place of his son. But as far as Abraham was concerned, he had already committed to this. And if the angel did not stop him, he would have done it. And God knew that. That's why this is such a significant moment in time. Such a significant moment in Abraham's life. Such a big significant moment in Isaac's life. But a big significant moment in our life too. Because on the basis that Abraham was willing to go ahead and give up his only son, woo, God the Father was willing to give up his only son for us. Hallelujah. But I want you to see that the only possible way that Abraham could have ever been prepared to do such a thing is that he had the knowledge of God's ability to perform. And he was already going up the mountain and saying, well, if I got to do this, <laughs> well, then God's just going to have to raise him from the dead. That's it. Because God's already spoken. He's already made a promise and he can't take it back. Imagine. Now, now that's, that, that's faith, y'all. I love it. I mean, that, that's having faith where, where you say, you know what? I, I mean, even, even if the game's over, the game has to start again. I mean, even, even if the ship is sunk, well, I mean, it's going to have to float again. I mean, just the, 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 the faith of God in him to, to believe that. I love it. I love it. I love it. Hallelujah. It challenges me. And I know it's challenging you today as well. God is able to perform for you. And you never ever give up on that. You never throw in the towel on that. And sometimes when it looks worse, that's when you just dig in and said, God who promised is able also to perform. He's able to protect you. Hallelujah. Are you glad about that? You know, he's able to protect you. We see wonderful cases about that over in the book of Daniel. Uh, you know, uh, in uh, one place where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three Hebrew servants of the Most High God who refused to bow down to what everybody else was doing. The, there's a whole sermon right there. Uh, but everybody's doing it. Well, not me. Because I'm serving God. And that is compromise and that would violate my walk with him, my relationship with him, my commitment to him. I ain't doing it. Can somebody be that bold today to say, I ain't going there. I ain't doing that. No, I'm going to remain true to the one who remained true to me. Hallelujah. I'm going to remain committed to the one who's committed to me. And so there's this big old idol set up by the king, and said, when, when all the music starts, I want you all to bow down before the idol. Everybody did. And then these three guys are there standing up. And so what was the penalty? The penalty was the fiery furnace. Look at their words, Daniel three seventeen. If that is the case, in other words, if you're going to go ahead and throw us in the fire, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand O king someone say god is able to deliver someone say god is able to deliver me 
Now, let, let's go ahead and uh, look at another point in Daniel. This is chapter 6. This is where uh, Daniel was in the lion's den. And, and uh, the king was actually, um, shall we say, he, he was talked into uh, establishing a law that, that really went against his better judgment. So be careful who you listen to and who your advisors are. Amen. That's a little extra. But anyway, <laughs> so the king came to the den. He cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the, of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? And I want you to know we don't have the next verse there, but I can tell you Daniel answered. Which means if he did answer, then he wasn't sitting in the lion's tummy. Come on. He was alive and well, praise the Lord, hallelujah, delivered by his God whom he served continually. And I tell you, God will protect you. Glory to God. In this crazy world we live, with pandemic and, and with, with everything else going on, with, with uh, uh, the uncertainty of so many things that are out in the world, glory to God. Never, never, never stop your belief in God's ability to protect you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because he's a protector. Hallelujah. And you're his children. Daddy loves his boys and his girls. And if you, you, you think you, you are a protector. You know, you, you know where you got your protective instinct from? You got it from the Lord. Whether you're a daddy or a mama, you got that from the Lord. And I tell you, there's some mamas I'm more scared of than daddies. <laughs> They'll claw your eyes out and have them in a the blender. I tell you, they ain't messing around. Thank God for our girls. And, and you know what? You, you know where they get what they get? They're from the same source. The, 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 that protective instinct comes from the, for, from, from the, the, the Father. You see, because, you see, you can't separate God into male and female. I mean, obviously we call him Father and rightfully so. But, but the thing is, is that uh, what we see as far as the, the, the distribution of the image of God into male and, and female, it's all a reflection of him. The sanctified part of things are, you know, if you're acting crazy, that's not a reflection of him. I'm talking about the good stuff. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So I'll tell you, he's able to propel you. He's able to go ahead and uh, uh, along with that, he's able to prepare you for things you need to be prepared for. He's able to perform for you things that need to be performed in your life. He's able to protect you. And he's able to predict what's up ahead for you. Woo! Hallelujah. You know, right there in the book of Daniel, we see chapter 4 and verse 18. And uh, the king speaking here, he said, This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, Belteshazzar, which is another name for Daniel, just so you know that he's talking to Daniel here. Declare its interpretation, since all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able for the spirit of the holy God is in you. Is there something about 
the Holy Spirit being in you. And I'm not saying that everybody's a prophet. That everybody's walking in the same kind of ministry that Daniel is. But I do want you to know that with the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you're going to be able to know the things that you need to know. And you'll you even have advanced notice on things that you need to have advanced notice on because of the Spirit of God dwelling in you. John 16 and verse 13 says, However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on his own authority but whatever he hears he will speak and he will tell you things to come it might be as simple as don't take that way home today you know what that's happened to me several times and during those times I listened to that and you know what happened between me and going home nothing which is exactly what you want to happen to you between there and going home. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I tell you what, you know, sometimes, you know, when you look at things from God's perspective, you can get as excited about the things that did not happen to you as you do about the things that happened to you. Hallelujah. And, you know, right in line with that, the very last thing I want to go ahead and talk about that God is able to do for you is to preserve you. he's able to propel you he's able to prepare you to perform for you to protect you and to predict what's ahead of you but he's also able to preserve you 2nd Timothy chapter 1 verse 12 uh, a great portion of scripture here it says, For this reason I also suffered these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Let me read a few translations of that to you. Uh, the New Living Translation says he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him. The Passion Translation says he's able to keep all that I've placed in his hands safe and secure. Uh, the voice uh, version says he's able to protect what I have placed in his care. But, but here's the thing. You, you know, he's only able to do this if there's something that you've committed to him. But what you've committed to him, what you've given to him, what you've placed in his trust, the, the, the deposit or the treasure that you've placed in his care, he ain't, he ain't going to burn you. Let me just tell you, God's not going to burn you. He, he's, he's not going to go ahead and, and, and leave you high and dry or, you know, or, or take you halfway and then say, I'll oh, forget about it. You know, I'm, I'm going to renege on the contract. No, God ain't doing that. He will not do that. You can be sure that you can know that you, whom you have believed in, and you can be persuaded, like Paul said, that he's able to hold on to anything that you've invested in him, anything that you've invested into the kingdom, and keep it in his safekeeping until the day comes. Hallelujah. And when the day comes, that's not just a, a day of, of you know, uh, judgment, even though we use the term judgment day. 
But, but that's, that's also a day of great reward. Amen. Hallelujah. Where, you know, the things that you've invested were kept safe. And in his safe hands, in the dependable hands of your Savior. And you know that when that day comes, that everything that you've invested, you've not invested in vain. You'll see how good of a return you get on your investment when you invest into him and into his kingdom. Hallelujah. He's able to preserve you. Romans 14, 4 says this. Who are you to judge another man's servant? To his own master, he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand for God is able to make him stand. God is able to make you stand. Despite what you might have been dealing with lately. Hard times. Temptation. You, you, you know, uh, some of you might be dealing with a, a, a struggle with sin. Stuff that you'd like to go ahead and, and crucify once and for all. And it seems that it's just been nagging at you, nagging at you, and getting the best of you. But I want you to know this. God's able to make you stand. God is, you just look in the mirror and say, God is able to make me stand. If you keep falling, you look in the mirror and say, God is able to make me stand. You know, Hebrews 2.18 says this, For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. You know, there's some aid for you. He's able to help or to aid or to relieve those that are tempted. Because you see, he was already there. The scripture also says in Hebrews that, uh, uh, that we, we have a high priest who, 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 was, uh, who felt what we felt. He was tempted in all points, like as we are, yet without sin. Glory to God. And so Jesus knows what it's like to be tempted. And because in that, due to the fact that he knows what it's like being tempted, he is able, he is qualified to be able to bring help and relief to those of us who are tempted. Hallelujah. Well, you know what? When, when I stand before him, I... Uh, I, I want to be able to stand right before him. I, I, I don't want my stumbling and bumbling along the way to, to hinder the, the, the success of what, what I can have at that day. I so long to be able to stand before him with confidence and not with shame. But how is that possible? I don't feel like I'm able. You may not be able. But he's able. Jude said, now to him who is able to keep you and me from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. I got to tell you, if you don't think that you can make it on your own, you're exactly right. If you don't think you got the ability to do it on your own, you're exactly right. That's why we as believers need to realize we're not doing this on our ability. Our ability won't get us to the point where we can stand before him with confidence on that day. It's his ability to keep us from falling and to present us faultless. It's that ability that will do it for you. Amen. Come on, praise him today. Hallelujah. (laughs) 
So I'll say this to you as we're getting ready to wrap up. Will you cooperate with his ability? (laughs) Will you cooperate with his ability? Cooperate with faith, which is manifest by word and action. Words that agree, words that affirm what he said. Not words that disagree and go the other direction or or, or words that are uh, in disagreement with what he said. But we cooperate with his ability, with our faith, with our words, with our actions. Don't let others define your ability. You know, people tried to define David's ability. 1 Samuel 17, 33 says, And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. You see that? Don't let other people try to define your ability. Because, you know, they'll put you in a box, a box about that big. Say, this is what you can do, only that no more. But, but the thing is, when you realize that your ability is not based on you, it's based on him. When your ability is based on God and you're flowing in his ability, not your own, then instead of being in the box this big, the the sky's the limit. There is no limit to what you can do. There's no limit to where you can go. There's no limit to how much you can get done because you're not doing this based on you or your program. You're doing this on the unlimited resources of God Almighty. And so even though he was not able, according to the king, and in his own physical strength, he would not have been able. But when dealing with the covenant God that he was in covenant with, he was able. And he slew that giant. And also, let me say this to you as we go today. Speak of your own ability in line with God's ability. When you're assessing yourself, you don't want to let others shortchange you. Well, you don't want to shortchange yourself either. Speak of your own ability in line with God's ability. Agree with him. You know, the children of Israel, this is classic. Some of you may have heard it before. Some of you may not. But, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the Israelites were heading towards the promised land and had 12 men, 12 spies who went in to the promised land to spy it out, to check it out. God had already said that I'm giving you this land. He already put it out there. But, but they, they went and checked it out. And there were two of the ten that said, Woo, let's go. And there were ten of the twelve that were shaken in their boots. So let me read this to you. Numbers 13, verse 30 and 31. It says, Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession. For we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We're not able to go against the people, for they are stronger than we. And you know what? As you read the whole story and find out how it ends, those who said they could, did. And those who said they could not, did not. I'm going to repeat that to you. Those who said they could, did And those who said they could not, did not. Well, I got to tell you, I believe in Jesus' name that in this house, could not language, can't language, 
is out of our vocabulary. And the only thing that's left in our vocabulary is that which Paul said in Philippians 4 and verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on, give the Lord a shout today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go ahead, give it to him. Hallelujah. You're not on your own. You're not on your own. God's your father and Jesus is your big brother. Woo, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, we honor you today. We give you glory and praise. Thank you for all that you've done all over this house today and the way you've ministered to us. We're so grateful, so thankful for the word of God and the spirit of God that's moving in the hearts of those here today. I got a question for you for everybody here in the room and for those of you watching by live stream. If if you don't know this God who is able, if you don't know personally Jesus who loved you so much that the Father sent him to die for you, to pay the price for your sins so that you could be a child of God so that you could go ahead and experience his wonderful salvation that we talked about earlier. This is available to you. There's no reason for you not to have this. So if you're here or you're watching with us today and you know this is for you, then I want you to go ahead and pray with me right now. We're not just rattling off a prayer that doesn't mean anything. No, if you believe this, then I want to go ahead and lead you in a way of confessing what you say you believe today. And I want you to go ahead and repeat this after me. And I want all the congregation to join us in on this and to mean this with all your heart. Say this, Father, I believe that you sent Jesus to die for me. I believe that Jesus died and was raised from the dead and that he is the son of God. I repent. I turn my back on where I've been going. I do a U-turn and I'm following Jesus. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Savior. And I will serve him all the days of my life. Amen. Praise God.